This is Shooting with Shaker. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly do appreciate it. And when I say we, yours truly is very happy to announce that we are going to have some special guest hosts here in the very near future. It's uh, been a little while since your truly has been on the airwaves. A lot been going on, still going through some health issues. That's uh, why we've had such a large gap in between episodes of the podcast. But uh, do appreciate all the support and well wishes from everyone out there. Uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, of course, everybody is tuning in to the inauguration today, and uh, I have to say, yawn. Uh, I've made my views on uh, that particular situation abundantly clear, and I'm not going to go over it again and again, at least not in this uh, particular podcast. I'm going to talk about some wrestling and the state of wrestling. Oh my gosh, I, I know the pandemic is affecting everyone out there in some form or another, but it really has brought pro wrestling, at least on the mainstream level, to a brand new low. And I know a lot of, uh, especially old school promoters out there are saying, well, you know, everything has been done in the business. You know, that's why it has to be repetitive. And that's where I disagree with a lot of promoters where it's not everything has been done. It's just you haven't discovered the next thing to do yet. Uh, You haven't allowed yourself to think that much outside the box to try to do something a little bit more um, out of the box, as I said a moment ago. Of course, yours truly always has colored outside the lines. So (laughs) that kind of goes without saying. Um, Wow. AEW had so much promise. And I got to tell you, I don't think it was any surprise that Kenny Omega took the belt off of Jon Moxley, but they should have did it in a way that was befitting. Because let's just face it, these guys uh, had clashed many times in Japan and even in, uh, I guess it would be considered uh, pre-AEW or maybe uh, in the early days of AEW. They did a lot of hardcore stuff. I mean, you know, they were bashing each other, you know, through tables and chairs and with barbed wire and taking insane bumps and this and that. And yet they have a wrestling match with, they give them 40 minutes. I mean, my God, 40 minutes. Kenny Omega, decent wrestler. They, they, a lot of people claiming that he's the best wrestler out there. I don't think so. I think there's tons of guys on the independent who could out-wrestle him uh, without even thinking about it, and they just haven't had the opportunity to be featured on the mainstream as of yet. But to me, Omega, not as as far as that goes, a technically kind of sound kind of guy. I haven't seen a lot of his mat grappling work. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it, there are a lot of guys uh, that are a lot better than him in that. And yet, he's being heralded as the best, quote, wrestler uh, in the world by a lot of the uh, dirt sheet and uh, magazine pundits, and I'll disagree with all of them. Uh, but anyway, in this match, it just didn't make any sense, you know, where these guys had bashed each other's brains in uh, with various implements and had mailed their parts to Norway uh, and come back to do other matches, so to speak. And yet, the the big spot in the match was, you know, we knew Don Callis was going to get involved. I mean, that goes without saying. He's been uh, different characters' names throughout the years, but uh, certainly has always been pretty much a career heel. Uh, 
Uh, we knew that he was going to do some sort of heelish gimmick uh, concerning that, and uh, certainly did get involved. Um, a microphone shot to the head, and then the one-winged angel, I mean, come on, puts down John Moxley when, you know, you, you blow the guy up, you know, with, with C4 and all this other craziness that he, him and Omega have done in hardcore matches. To me, it just does not make any sense. How can they come back from the brutal beatings from that and then, oh, a little tap on the forehead with a microphone and then the one-winged angel, which I understand, you know, is a big bump. But, uh, come on, the precursor to set it up, to me, it just didn't send the right message. Uh, certainly got him a little bit of heat, but I think it got him the wrong kind of heat because it was just a bad finish. If they had had maybe a, a teetotal run-in on the part of maybe the Good Brothers or somebody else from uh, Impact or something like that to come in and truly uh, interfere, being that Mox has been pretty much a lone wolf his entire AEW run, uh, that to me that would have made for a better finish. You know, the referee gets distracted, ref bump, whatever. You know, he gets taken out of the equation, then comes back in. To me, that's a little bit more. It's it's cheap heat, but it's a little bit more believable heat than a simple um, breaking of the quote gentleman's accord. Which let's just face it, there isn't really any gentleman's accord in professional wrestling because uh, this is a very selfish industry and uh, it, it creates a lot of huge big-time egos. That's why I wouldn't recommend anybody getting involved in professional wrestling, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> if you want to remain a decent human being. Uh, <laughs> I'm having some fun on this episode. But yeah, uh, and, and then, oh my God, AEW, I, I'm still a fan of, of some of the, of, of the talent that they have there and the fact that they're actually starting to use some of them. Of course, the late Brody Lee, um, give him an opportunity to get pushed, uh, headlined a pay-per-view against John Moxley uh, for the AEW Championship. Didn't go over in that match, but certainly had a very strong matchup and, and proved that he was a main event caliber talent and something that missed the, that uh, Vince McMahon uh, missed the boat on with, with, uh, with Brody Lee. Uh, so... Uh, and, and and Miro, I honestly believe if he is being used properly and if they allow him to break out of this ridiculous mold of uh, being the, quote, best man uh, gimmick with, with Kip Sabian, if they just let him go out there and being the destructive force that everyone knows that he can be, I mean, the, the guy can be a future world champion in the company. I honestly believe that Adam Miro. He, he has the, the look, he has the talent, um, maybe not the mic skills 100%, but uh, certainly over time or possibly a better mic guy to put with him uh, would certainly help bolster his character and, and make him a very viable and believable world champion and certainly a guy that, that uh, could take the push and run with it. Uh, uh, but AEW making some mistakes here, and, and I don't honestly see why this this uh, association with uh, Impact Wrestling is going to be beneficial. I mean, it's certainly beneficial to Impact, even though that they have been around since, what, 2003, 2002, something like that. I, I, I don't honestly remember. Uh, when they started out, because they they've uh, changed their names so many different times, um, 
it's hard to know when they began and when they've stopped and all this other wonderfulness. But anyway, um, Impact is not the Impact that it that it was when it was TNA. Of course, uh, it has dropped a lot in the level of talent. And not to say that they don't have some talented people in Impact Wrestling. It's just they do not have the uh, uh, the mainstream notoriety, and they certainly don't have a cable platform. I mean, they are on an, an obscure cable network that, unless you have um, an exclusive cable provider that uh, that carries it, which not a lot of platforms do, or you're able to stream it, you're really not going to know about what's going on at Impact Wrestling. And certainly getting the rub from AEW and having Kenny Omega on their last pay-per-view in their headline match, uh, I'm sure probably did up the buy rates for the last Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. But uh, what does this do? What is the flip side for um, AEW? And to me, I, I don't think it helps themselves any uh, associating with Impact. It is, it is more help for Impact to help get some of their talent... Um, a little bit more notice, which, you know, the Good Brothers, people have seen Gallows and Anderson from their previous association with uh, the WWE and, of course, their time in Japan. So those guys are are known commodities, and uh, they're basically rebooking the Bullet Club uh, again for the five millionth time when in its various incarnations throughout different promotions. And, uh You'd think if they were going to do something like that, that they wouldn't, quote, put the band back together again to try to create that nostalgic feel. Um, unless they do a short-term angle with this and AEW squashes the uh, impact insurrection, then I, uh, I I don't see this really working out long-term as a good uh, agreement between impact and AEW. I think it just hurts uh, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, completely because it takes away from the upcoming new stars that they have. I mean, let's just face it, they have some hot young talent that are very good. I, uh, Jack Perry, uh, Jungle Boy, I, I think if maybe they switch his gimmick up just a little bit, the guy's got talent, he can move out there, give him a chance to get some mic skills. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr., uh, I, I think, has a very bright future. MJF is probably the best new heel uh, I have seen in a very long time. The guy is just so easily hateable that you almost want to love him. I won't say he's the second coming of Roddy Piper, but uh, <laughs> the, the guy certainly is entertaining. And of course, with uh, Chris Jericho mentoring him and mentoring so many of the of the young talents and, and allowing them to get over and giving them the rub uh, just by uh, being the legitimate commodity that he still is, I think is really great for their company, but um, associating with Impact doesn't really do anything uh, beneficially for AEW, and it's a move that I simply just do not understand. I think if they wanted to make Kenny Omega a heel, it would have been an easy thing for uh, for them to do. Uh, I mean, because he just has that kind of a personality that kind of exudes confidence even as a babyface, but it's almost to the point of arrogance, so it would be an easy turn uh, for for him. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that it would have been an easy thing to accomplish 
for um, for AEW to do without the involvement of Don Callis and the Good Brothers and anybody else. And, uh, you know, this whole cross-promotional thing, not the first time that this has ever happened. It's not like they're breaking down walls or barriers like Don Callis has said that they have done with Omega appearing on Impact with the AEW title. I mean, come on, you know, this has been done a thousand times before. Um, on the independence, even on the mainstream, remember when Ric Flair showed up with the WCW or the old NWA title, whatever it was called at that point on WWF television back in the day? Yeah, I, I remember that. It was, uh, what, 91, 92, something like that, when he first came in, and that gave him the uh, uh, legitimate angle with Hulk Hogan, who was still at the, uh, at the time with WWF, and then they... Uh, kind of did the reverse when Hulk went to uh, WCW. Of course, he didn't carry the WWF title in with him, but uh, it kind of just led back and forth to their uh, run against one another. So, yeah. Not the first time anything like that has ever been done. A And, you know, AEW even did it with the unrecognized FTW uh, championship that Taz brought back. So it's, it's, again, not anything that hasn't been done before, and I think legitimate wrestling fans, whether you're a legit wrestling fan or a smart mark or, or whatever, um, you're still asking for more out of All Elite Wrestling because they have been touted as a wrestling promotion, not as a sports entertainment uh, company. So, you know... You just, you just, I want more anyway. I mean, are there other folks out there that, that feel the same way? I think that AEW could, should quash this thing with, with uh, Impact Wrestling right now before the train gets rolling too much and we all get bored with it and be able to figure out the angles, which I probably already have. <sighs> I think the next big thing, though, is for Kenny Omega logically to drop the title not back to Moxley, but to uh, Hangman Adam Page. I think the kid's definitely ready to take the ball. Um, even with or without an association with the Dark Order. I mean, he seems to be over. And uh, I, I, I think that Adam Page would, would make a suitable heavyweight champion and a top suitable top babyface. And certainly a young guy who has not had the opportunity to be in main event limelight before. I mean, yes, he had a brief run uh, with Chris Jericho in the first ever AEW title match, but um, he lost, and it was short-lived. So I, I think Hangman Adam Page is, is the obvious uh, choice to dethrone Kenny Omega for the AEW championship, and I think it should be sooner rather than later because I think he's ready to take the push. And then you can elevate younger talent like uh, MJF to battle Page, and that uh, truly proves that AEW wants to become a progressive wrestling company and not rest on the laurels of uh, past talents who are far beyond their uh, their heyday years, much like that we're experiencing in WWE. Which, speaking of, oh my gosh, are, are, is anybody going to bother tuning into the Royal Rumble? You know, wasting their money for the pay-per-view? Because you can almost see two things happening. Well, possible three things. The push of Big E. Could he be a legitimate uh, winner of the Royal Rumble? I think maybe so, especially in, in this kind of, uh, uh, we'll say, pro-wrestling climate. 
They've been doing a lot uh, of, of ridiculous backstage stuff with Daniel Bryan, which, you know, makes sense as a legitimate babyface, a, a former WrestleMania headline act. It was just back at WrestleMania 30 where he survived, you know, the onslaught of Triple H and then a uh, violent triple threat match with Batista and Randy Orton to win the uh, world heavyweight title back in the day. So we could see Daniel Bryan winning the uh, Royal Rumble and going after Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns, yet another uh, gimmick champion that comes out there and you know he's going to cheat to win. And it's just getting old, no matter what the situation, especially with the gimmick matches. He had the TLC match against Kevin Owens. He's always having these run-ins with whomever he's facing by Jey Uso and in, in, in interference and having Jey Uso basically do all the dirty work to bring on the heel heat. So how legitimate of a champion is Roman Reigns? I mean, let's just face it. Even as a heel, I mean, you know, people will say, well, he's getting his heel heat. But how many times is this gimmick going to go on? I mean, yes, we saw Ric Flair get himself intentionally disqualified from J.J. Dillon and members of the Four Horsemen and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And again, wrestling that's already been done. But I'm getting a little bored with Roman Reigns, who, by the way, is not a good wrestler. <laughs> we'll just say that. And he's coming out there and constantly having someone help him defend the championship against this poor challengers, whoever that it may be, for his universal championship. And it just makes it so predictable. And how can you get behind any person, even as an underdog, even as an underdog like uh, Kevin Owens is being uh, presented? How can you get behind that when you know the ending before the match? I mean, even in the world of wrestling that we live in, where we know the outcomes are predetermined, but it, even from a storyline standpoint, you cannot make it believable anymore to think that there isn't going to be any other women but Roman Reigns. Every single time you see Roman go out there, there's always some sort of element of, of, uh, of heelism and interference which helps him win the match every single time. So when's it going to end? When it comes down to the banning of Paul Heyman and Jey Uso and so on and so forth and everyone, and then surprise, he's got another member of the Roman Empire, which is a great name for uh, a click for him if he's going to be the top guy on SmackDown. So WWE, you know, run with that. Then, of course, you can send me the, uh, the royalties for the credit for that. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it doesn't make it believable, whether it's Kevin Owens or Daniel Bryan, you know, or, or, or anybody else, or Big E, anybody. You know that there's always going to be at least a Jey Uso or possibly three or four more members of Roman's uh, family or associates or something like that that is going to come down and make themselves uh, involved in the matchup to help Roman retain the championship. And, and, and to me, that just makes him a paper champion. Uh, a cheap heel heat, Charlie cheap heat, paper champion. Let him win a couple of matches on his own. 
not uh, with Jey Uso or anybody else's help. To me, that might make him, even, even in heel manner, might legitimize him as champion. And let's look on the Raw side. Oh my gosh, this train wreck. I think the only person, and the only question is, is how far are they going to, to take this angle with The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Randy Orton? Because quite honestly, I still feel that Randy Orton is going to win the Royal Rumble to set up this legend versus legend killer match at WrestleMania. Of course, everybody expects Bill Oldberg to take the title off of Drew McIntyre, which to me makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I mean, come on. You let Goldberg is becoming as bad as Brock Lesnar. Show up a couple of times for for uh, for Raw. Maybe show up once in a while on a pay per view, and then lose a title. Win a title at one pay per view, lose it at the next one. So we know the the pattern for Bill Goldberg. Two three months on the job, couple of appearances, big payday. Then you go back home, and you sit and you know, eat ice cream and. Drink a diet soda. <laughs> or whatever it is that you do. But uh, the end of the day, wow, Bill Goldberg as WWE champion. Yeah, it might go down with his legacy as being, you know, outstanding. Another accolade to his record. Former WCW champion, Universal champion, now WWE champion, Hall of Famer. What more does this two-move guy have to do? He's two moves. A spear... And a body slam. Of course, they call it a jackhammer, but you might as well just call it a glorified body slam. <sighs> Against a talented, truly over guy like Drew McIntyre, who has actually worked really hard and can wrestle a little bit. Not a lot. He's more of a power guy, but can wrestle a little bit. Certainly a better wrestler than Roman Reigns. And certainly a better wrestler than Bill Goldberg ever thought about being. But yet Goldberg comes out here and probably will beat Drew McIntyre within three or four minutes because that's all Goldberg is good for. And then, of course, they'll build this titanic turd between the legend killer Randy Orton and the ultimate legend Bill Goldberg, the Hall of Famer, the only legend that he hasn't booted in the head recently for WrestleMania, and that's they're going to be their big build-up, their big, huge main event. Unless, of course, they take things in the opposite direction and actually bring The Fiend back, which, honestly, I don't think that they will bring The Fiend back until after Orton's won the championship. And that way that they can have a viable reason for The Fiend to uh, defeat Orton and, and give him the WWE title. Which, you know, ultimately, Orton's going to be the guy probably to surpass Ric Flair's record for world championship runs. Because I don't see Cena doing it. But um, I think Wharton will end up being the guy because that's that's the one that kind of Flair has nominated for that particular position. But uh, it, it just goes to the state of, of wrestling right now in the mainstream and how sloppy it's getting, including the camera work. Did you guys see it? The whiff of Bobby Lashley, who violently stomped the floor so hard and was caught on camera the other night on Monday Night Raw that Matt Riddle's foot just shuddered from uh, 
the vibration in the floor and caused him so much damage to the foot. I know it was supposed to be sold as a stomp to the foot, but he completely missed it. Just makes the business look bad, guys. And I know it's the fault of the cameraman, certainly not maybe so much the fault of the talent, but the fault of the cameraman. But it just seems like with COVID, everybody has been getting sloppy. Sloppy, 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 sloppy. Sloppier before than before COVID. <sighs> makes you wonder, my friends. Makes you wonder. But that's my thoughts on some of the things as we head into a couple of major pay-per-views. Revolution, of course, is set up for the, I believe, the end of February. And, of course, less than two weeks away from the Royal Rumble. Let me have your input. Drop me a line here at Shooting with Shaker and let me know what you think, or whom you think, I should say, is going to be winning the Royal Rumble. And if you've got any input as possible storylines and whether you agree with me about the AEW impact relationship or whether you disagree or whether you just want to call in here and talk to me about eggs and bacon that would be cool too appreciate your time thank you so much for listening and may God bless until next time my friends <laughs>